discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. In the Son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give me just Jesus' wave of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you love the Lord? Hallelujah. How many of you have experienced before this before? Um, you are trying to cook something and then. Um, You had a gas stove and a food was on it. And you, you lit the fire and the fire came but it was short-lived. Not too long, the fire was just extinguished. And you stood there, you didn't even know what to do because the gas had run out. Dr. Nima, the way you were la- you are laughing, I suspect you. How many of you have experienced this before? Hallelujah. So if you want more fire, what do you do? More gas. Is that not so? But if the fire runs out, what can you do? If the fire runs out, what can you do? Nothing. Praise God. So the most important thing is to keep the fire burning if the food will ever be cooked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I brought a simple message. Tell your neighbor, keep the fire burning. You see, so as I was coming, I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you have for your people in Tema? Your people in Tema. And uh, what I described to you is what I saw in the spirit. What I described to you is what I saw in the spirit. So actually, if there's no oil, the flame goes out. True or false? Yeah. So you need to keep the fire burning. The kind of sustenance. Keeping the fire ablaze. Keeping the fire sustained. Because when the fire is blazing, there's so much that can be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wants you to keep the fire burning. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to keep the fire burning. That is it. As simple as that. Maybe you are the one whose fire was going out. But I brought good news. Before we leave, we leave this place, your fire, your fire will be rekindled. As never before. <laughs> to the glory of God. But even if you have a little fire, don't worry. God is going to increase your fire. Even if, you have, even if you have no fire at all, don't worry. I didn't come to discourage you. <laughs> now, in Matthew 12, verse 20, it was said of Jesus, and as I prophesied of Jesus, that a bruised reed will he not break, and a smoking flask will he not quench, till he has brought judgment unto victory. Now, this is the ministry of Jesus. A bruised reed will he not break, a smoking flask will he not quench, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what is a, a reed? A bruised reed. Now, I know you know familiar with what reeds are. Reed. Now, in those days, in the banks of Jordan, there were many reeds. And even in Galilee, there were so many reeds. So, what happened was that the reeds were used for measuring rod. As a measuring rod. And also, it was used for walking. People used the reed just to walk. And these reeds were so common, they were rampant, they were everywhere. By the shores of Galilee, by the banks 
of Jordan. They were everywhere. Children, you see, if I want to go to Jerusalem or Galilee, children are just playing with reeds everywhere. So they can't either use it for measuring rod or for walking, but primarily children use the, 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 the reed for flutes. What they do is that they make holes in the reed. Now, how many of you have done that before when we were young? You make holes in the, in the, in the, in the, how do you call it, in the reed to produce a sound. Yeah. Or to make a pipe or a flute. Yeah. So I remember we, we, I, I did some when I was young. <laughs> so you take the, take the reed and you just begin to play. You produce a sound. You turn it into a flute or a pipe. You produce a musical sound. Hallelujah. So when you have the flute, you can just give a beautiful sound, a beautiful melody, a beautiful musical tune. But when the reed is bruised, now the word bruised means to crash. When the reed is crashed, it's crashed, it can no longer produce the sound. So in those days, I mean, there were so many reeds everywhere. So once your reed is crashed or is bruised, what do you have, what do you have to do? Just throw it away and just take another one because the reeds are not expensive. They are free. You just plug it out. You know, so you just throw it away and get a new one. That's what you do. But with Jesus, the Bible says that a bruised reed will he, will he not break. That is to say that maybe you have lost your musical sound. You have lost your musical tune. You understand? You have lost your music. The kind of life, love, the walk with God, the kind of influence you had with God is diminished or is quenched. Yet, with Jesus, when you are in his hands, he doesn't throw you away to get another person. Though you are bruised and crushed, the Bible says, a bruised reed, you are bruised, will he not break? No matter how down you are, he will still not break you. He picks you from where you are, and he, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he adds blessing upon blessing. So maybe you are here tonight, you are bruised. <laughs> You've lived in past glories. How you used to serve the Lord, how you used to be on fire. Your sound went through all the air. You used to make impact. You had, you had a musical sound. Sound speak of impact. But now you have no more sound. Now your fire seems to have gone. Your zeal seems to have gone. The evangelistic fires are gone. Your impact in your family is gone. Pastor Emma, it's good to see you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's gone. What do you do? Jesus is not throwing you away. Although you are bruised, the Bible says he will not break you. In fact, when a, a reed is bruised, a bruised reed is what we call calamus. A calamus is one of the spices that is used to comp compound for, for the composition of the anointing oil. The anointing oil, the ointment, the oil is propounded to become an ointment. You have the olive oil. But you add calamus and may and case other, other spices to produce the ointment. One of, it is, one of it is called a calamus. And calamus is when the bruised, the reed is bruised. So when you are bruised, it can produce anointing out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So don't worry where you are or how downcast you are. It's about to stir you up. <laughs> then the Bible said, a smoking flask will he not quench. Now in those days, how many of you have used lanterns before? We are all young people, lanterns, yeah. But in those days, they, what they used was a, was a um, how do you call it, an earthenware. An earthenware. And then they pour oil inside. Oil was a fuel for the light. And they, they, they used a flask, a, a piece of cloth that is linen, inside the oil. They connect it inside the oil and they spark the fire. They do it in such a way that once there is oil, the cloth or the flask will give light. But when the oil is dried up, instead of the flask or the linen cloth giving light or giving the, that lavender green grass smell, instead of giving light, it, it starts smoking because there is no oil. Hallelujah. So there are some people, their oil is gone, and what they have is smoke. So when there is no light, there is no direction. When there is no light, there is so much disadvantage. So instead of giving light, assuming if we had no light in this place and we had smoke, <laughs> just imagine. So instead of giving light, what they are giving is smoke because the oil is run out, has run out. What do we do? We just throw it away, is that not so? Because the wick, 
the ends are charred, so it is almost useless. But with Jesus, even if you are given smoke and your oil has run out, the Bible says a smoking flask, you are smoking, you are giving no impact at all. In fact, your testimony is not even correct. Instead of giving light, you are giving smoke. So your testimony of Jesus Christ is somehow, you know, it's not proper, it's improper. But with Jesus, he says, a smoking flask will he not quench. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That little fire that is lit, he doesn't quench it. <laughs> so there's no way Jesus will discourage you even when you have fallen down. Or you are on the, on the ground. No, he comes to stir you up and to prop you up and to raise you up so you can ascend further. In height, in deeper height and glory. Hallelujah. What a Jesus. So it could be that, oh... Of course, the person of the Holy Ghost is in you, but you have quenched the spirit. His elements, his fire, you've quenched it. It could be the oil is, has run dry. I came to tell you, I brought you good news from the far country. <laughs> that he's about to supply you oil. Oil. He's not condemning you. He's not casting you out or casting you down. He's just about to supply you oil. Because with Jesus, a smoking flask, he doesn't quench. You are not doing your best. You remember five years ago, 20 years ago, how you used to serve the Lord. Now you are at your low level. You are cast down. Yet, there's a little spark of fire. He's about to stir it aflame. And that zeal will come back. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will eat you up. One more time. Hallelujah. So don't get discouraged, even if your fire is dim. He's about to stir it up. You'll be a living flame. You'll be a living flame. So I came to teach you how to stir the fire and how to keep it aflame, sustained, and keep it burning and ablazing. Leviticus 6 verse 13. The fire shall never the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now this is the fire of the burnt altar. You see, in the Old Testament, there were five major sacrifices or offerings. But the first one, the first and the foremost was called the burnt sacrifice. It comes before the sun offering, it comes before the male offering, it comes before the trespass offering or the peace offering. The main one was called the burnt offering. In fact, the altar where the sacrifices were made was even named after the burnt offering. It was called the burnt altar. And God said, the fire on the burnt altar shall never go out. It shall ever be burning 24-7. 24-7. So when you go to the altar, what happens is that the priests are always putting wood into the sacrifice. They are putting wood. Putting wood. Now, in Proverbs 26, verse 20, where no wood is, the fire goes out. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. So the priesthood, what they do is that they just supply wood. And the fire is ever burning, 24-7. And this altar, this altar was for the burnt offering. Now, the burnt offering was offered daily. The sin offering wasn't of, was never offered daily. The green offering was never offered daily. All the offerings were never offered daily. But the bent offering was offered twice every day. Twice every day. 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. In fact, the 9 a.m. was called the morning sacrifice. The 3 p.m. was called the evening sacrifice. So there was a morning sacrifice, there was an evening sacrifice. So every 9 a.m. they are offering. The offering to God. And every 3 p.m. the offering was sent to God. The morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. That is why, check the Bible, the prophets of old, they prayed at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Even when the church was born in Acts chapter 3, James and, uh, and John and Peter and John, they went to the temple, called the, the temple at the hour of prayer. 3 p.m., 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Because the Jews believed that. They prayed at 9, they prayed at 3. Why 9 and 3? 9 a.m. was a morning sacrifice. Because when the animal was sacrificed and the fragrance ascends to God, 
When they pray, they believe that their prayer mixed up with the fragrance and it was accepted to God. And they also prayed at 3 p.m., believing that with the evening sacrifice, when they pray, their prayer is mixed up with the fragrance and God is, God is, is acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Because the burnt offering reminds God of his son. The sin offering reminds God of our sin. Because a burnt offering is a sweet savor offering. The sin offering is not a sweet savor, it's a non-savor offering. You see, the burnt offering, God smells it. <sighs> and God sits on the throne and as the offering ascends to him, he smells it. And it reminds him of his son who was to come. And the fire shall ever be burning. It reminds the father of the absolute devotedness of his son to him. That Jesus was totally devoted to the father. 24-7. He was full of zeal. He was ever burning to the father. So it was an eternal remembrance of the father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the fire shall ever be burning. Wow. But you see, whatsoever things we have written aforetime, we have written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In Romans 15 verse 4, all these things are for our learning. Today, where is the altar? The altar is your heart. Now God is telling you that the fire on the altar of your heart should ever be burning and must never go out. The fire on the altar of your heart. Now you are God's priest. You are his priesthood. We are the royal priesthood. We are kings and priests. And we must make sure that the fire on the altar of our heart will never go out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this verse, this single verse has sparked mighty moves of God in history. This verse. It has sparked great moves of God. One of it was called the Ireland Watch. The Ireland Watch. The Ireland Watch was a prayer movement that prevailed constantly for 500 years. It was an unbroken, now listen, an unbroken prayer chain for 500 years. The Ireland Watch. <laughs> in the early church. In Ireland. Then this verse sparked up the Moravian movement. The Moravians. They found this verse. And the Moravians had an unbroken prayer chain for 100 years. Led by Count Ludwig. Nicholas von Zinzendorf. He was just a young man of 22 years of age. They began praying, 48 people. They prayed. Can you imagine 48? 24 men, 24 women. Around the clock, one hour a day. An unbroken prayer chain for, lasted for 100 years. And their children even continued. But there was another, there's another one that is crazier than all of this. <laughs> yeah. It happened that uh, in Switzerland, in Zurich, Morris Abbey, St. Morris Abbey. If you go to Switzerland, go and visit a church called Morris Abbey. Church, Morris Abbey. That is a prayer movement that lasted for 1,500 years. <laughs> 1,500 years. The fire, prayer and priest. Can you imagine? Unbroken. Things have happened in history. Because of what happened. Another time, I'll come and give you the full story. Another time. <laughs> yeah, it happened far, far back. Um, Emperor um, Maximus, yeah, he ordered the, 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 the military men who were believers, he ordered them to be beheaded, 600 of them, so they were just beheaded. And when they, they just took off their heads, can you imagine? Three of them, regular, exuperantious, and... Um, one was called regular, one was called Felix, one was called experientials. They cut off their head. They took their heads. And they took their heads and walked away. And their heads were praying. Their heads were praying as they were going. Yeah. If you go to Switzerland, their coat of arms, the three of them are on it. You see three people without heads, and they're holding their heads. The coat of arms is you can you can Google and check it later. No, there are people like St. Denis. He cut off his head, he took it, walked to the hill two hours, just praying. Climbed the hill praying. Things have happened in history. One day we'll just devote time and explore strange personalities that, that have walked the earth. People like... Uh, <laughs> Amazing. 
Francis of Assisi, John of the Cross, Julian of Norwich, Bishop St. Herman, wild guys. Ah! There was a guy, he went for a retreat somewhere, um, and then someone gave him a cow. Thieves came and attacked him and stole his cow and cut off his head and ran away. He took off his head and walked back to his, his tent and continued his life. Um, these are real, real historical fact. Strange things have happened. Hallelujah. <laughs> Strange things have happened. Strange things have happened. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. So out of that, the leader of that army that the emperor killed, yeah, was called uh, uh, Morris, St. Morris. When they beheaded their head and he took, they took their head and walked away. Out of that move of God came from that prayer movement that lasted for 1,500 years. So when you go to Switzerland, you go to St. Abbey, St. Morris Abbey, the church is there. You find all the history. <laughs> Great things have come to pass. We are going to meet all these wild guys in heaven. <laughs> all of this, we are going to meet them in heaven. Can you imagine? Man like uh, Francis of Assisi, he was preaching to lions and bats. Wherever he goes, lions and bats and animals will gather around him. Because the, the Bible says, go and preach to every creature. So he, he took it literally. You, you go to a place and bet will gather around him. He preached to a bet and said, Sister, this is how he preaches Sister Bet and Brother Bet. I brought you the word from the Lord. <laughs> it is time to praise your maker, for he has given you feathers. <laughs> you neither reap nor sow, nor yet gather into bounds. That <laughs> he preached that. Can you imagine? What guys? What guys? There were people who just touched the desert and flat of waters would gush out. People we call the desert fathers and the desert voices. Wow. Oh, wild guys. There was a certain guy. People were provoking me to talk about these people. <laughs> <laughs> there was a certain guy. Whenever he's praying, he put his hands at his back. Because whenever he raises up his hands, he's caught up to heaven. Oh. And he was afraid he would go and not come back. So when he's praying with the brethren, he doesn't raise his hands. His hands are it's 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 at his back. <laughs> And some of these people were strange. Ah. One of them felt he, was, his, he wasn't using his mouth well. He felt he, was, he, was, he wasn't able to control his mouth. He took a stone and put it in his mouth for three years. <laughs> One day we have to do strange personalities, personalities conference. <laughs> and we talk about these guys to stay our faith. Hallelujah. No, because they've walked the earth. Telling you. What you are giving excuses for, they prevailed. You are in a better place and you have a better privilege than them. Yet they made it and prevailed. What shall I more say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Jephthah and of Samson and of David also and of, the, of, the, of Samuel and of the prophet who through faith subdued kingdoms. Stop the mouths of lions, obtain righteousness. Out of their weakness, they were made strong. Tend to fly the armies of the aliens. Hallelujah. And as we live with the Lord, step by step in His will, one day when we get there, your name will be included. <laughs> Those who served Him faithfully and fulfilled all that they had to fulfill. There was one guy by name Leohat Kese. He was going to be matired, so he plucked the leaf. He said, oh Lord, if you will bend me and this flower, then consider what you have done and repent. That's a prayer he prayed. So they put wood and ties on him and they bent it. Everything got bent into ashes and he was there with the flower. Nothing happened to the flower, nothing happened to him. Hmm. A man by name Hans Halishba, when he was about to be beheaded, there was an immediate eclipse of the sun. Strange things have happened. But you see, 
what is about to happen in our day is beyond whatever has happened in history. God has reserved his best wine for the last. All those who have gone ahead of us in heaven, the grandstand, who sit at the grandstands, they are just waiting for us. Now it's like a relay race. Four by one. Now have you seen four by one? They, they take the, someone who is very fast to begin the race. So normally in Jamaica, Blake will begin the race. Then the second leg and the third leg, the ordinary people, you say, the, the normal guys. But the last guy to finish is normally using both. <laughs> so they put the fastest runner at last. <laughs> I'm telling you. So Paul's generation, they were very fast, but they were the first generation. But I'm telling you, what is going to happen is far beyond the apostolic era. The acts of the apostles will no, long, no longer be our standard. It will be the threshold. <laughs> the beginning, the birthplace of what God is doing. Greater works. Greater manifestations. Hallelujah. Ordinary people, God is going to move strongly amongst us. For the mighty, mighty, mighty and the greatest move of God. It's going to happen. Greatest move of God. Some of you young ladies, you'll be the envy of Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, what I want you to learn today is to, to become masters of the fundamentals. Masters of the fundamentals. You see, um, there are certain things you should be able to keep on the daily basis. Keep on the, ba- on the daily basis. Constant practice. Constant practice. Constancy of purpose. Consistency. Consistency. Very important. Very important. One great musician said, if I skip practicing a day, I, I, I recognize that. I, I, I notice it. But if I skip practicing two days, my friends notice it. And if I skip practicing three days, the congregation notice it. So you see, I want you to have that secret of sustaining the fire. Come with me, no matter what. Come with me. Now, in the 90s, when we were found by Christ, or we gave our lives to Christ. One of the practices that characterized Christians at that time was early rising. Oh, Pastor Wilmot. Early rising. Early rises. What we knew, we, we knew best to do was to rise up early and pray. But I realized that in our gener- this present generation, that art is lost. In fact, if you sleep and it's five o'clock and you wake up, you feel you have sunned. <laughs> you wonder... As if you've slept your, wife, your life away. Your heart will just smote you for waking up at five. So we're taught, and that's what new believers ought to be taught. And it, has to be, it ought to be sustained. Because I checked through, through the Bible, and I checked through history. All the great men who walked the earth and who loved God, they were early risers. Check the Bible and see. All of them were early risers. Why would David say, Oh Lord, my God, early will I seek thee? <laughs> my soul tested after thee, and my flesh longed for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy glory and thy power. But he said, Early will I seek thee. Early. The manna was gathered before sunrise. Why did God do that? The manna was gathered before sunrise. In fact, if you sleep too much, and wake up at sunrise, you, you wouldn't find the manna. The man, manna will melt away. And all this without learning. God told Moses, be ready in the morning and present yourself before me in the mount. Abraham met God in the morning. Morning. Early morning. Early rises. I remember, as at, as at age 14, I was waking up at 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Because we're taught. Apparently, I also lived in a room with a Hindu man. So whilst he's chanting, 
<laughs> I couldn't stay in a room. So I had to run to the seashore. So I will run. I wasn't even speaking in tongues. For 3 a.m., I remember. So it's a great practice. And when you begin, begin with it early, you never want to lose it. Even when you lose it, you want to go back to it. Because that's a strong and a solid foundation. Yeah. You cannot miss the glory you have not experienced. You cannot miss the glory you have not experienced. What do I mean? If you had that from the beginning, even when you are going down, the Holy Ghost tests you back one more time to, to that kind of glory, that kind of experience you once had with him. And when you sleep, you want to wake up and pray. It's so powerful. And in the midst of the hustle and the bustle and what is happening now, brethren, you need to get the secret, the secret, you know, Know the secret, the secret of rising early. Being an early riser. So much blessing. So much blessing. How many of you are married here? All right. You know why I asked? Now that you are not married, you have to make a lot of investment. Praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> now that you are not married, this is your time. This is your hour, I'm telling you. <laughs> Very important. I'm not saying when you marry, you cannot pray. No, but the time to lay the proper foundation is now. Very important. Pray all you can. Pray all you can. And when you marry... You see, you've gotten to, you, you, have, you have a certain break even, you, you've got to a certain realm that after marriage, you don't need to exercise so much effort because the foundations are laid. And God also gives special grace when you marry. But when you have laid the foundations, strong word, strong prayer, I'm telling you, when you marry, things are properly manageable or well manageable. I, I find it difficult to explain, but you have to lay the proper foundation. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's amazing. You have to. Everyone here who is married testifies to what I'm saying. So please, please believe us. <laughs> and when you marry, I also advise, normally, when we are counseling people who are going to get married, I, know I normally counsel them that it's not compulsory, but there is sense in what I'm about to say. <laughs> It isn't compulsory at all. There are different ways, ways the Lord leads us. But most of the times, it's great if you allow yourself some month to lapse before children come in. It's very important. Sometimes at least a year. I said it's not compulsory. Praise God. <laughs> the reason being that before children come in, before a child comes in, you have to be ready. Be prepared physically, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, and even financially. You have to prepare and be happy to receive a child. A man of God called me because actually he didn't plan to give birth. So they planned the, the cycle, the woman's cycle perfectly. That okay, at the honeymoon, we know that nothing's going to happen. We are going to... Yeah. <laughs> but they missed it. And he called me and said, man of God, man of God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? My wife is pregnant. Can you imagine? It was so sad. What is supposed to bring joy? <laughs> man of God, can you imagine? My wife is pregnant. Oh! The reason is because it was unexpected. But you see, when children come in initially, it's never the same as the beginning. The concentration is even shifted. There's a shift. There's a shift. It's never the same. So sometimes it's very essential you bond in early days of the marriage. Strong bonding, get to know yourselves well. 
enjoy your twosomeness before a child comes in. Because when it comes in, there's a change. There's a change, I'm telling you. And there's so much you have to learn together as a couple before anything happens. So I remember when, when we married, we took the opportunity to pray. Myself and my wife, there were no children. We were praying for long hours a day. But now we can't do it. <laughs> so what happens is that because we're doing that, once a while when we get to go on a retreat, then we, we, say, we go like, wow, we missed those days. Then we stay it up again. But on a daily basis, we are not able to do that. But the foundations were laid. Yeah, you, have, you can pray long for your family, for your ch- children who are yet to be born. You can pray for their lives, their destinies. We get to know about our children before they are born. Yeah. We get to know about what they will do before they are born. You, you, you understand? So you pray. It's very important. Hallelujah. So let the Lord lead you. Before, because when children come in at the beginning, you begin to experience sleepless night. You begin to ask yourself, is this how marriage is? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, healthy marriages are always open up, open to counseling. If you meet a guy who goes like, oh, for me, I'm okay, I don't need any counselor, then understand you are headed for doom. Yeah. Healthy marriages are the marriages that expose themselves to counselors and to counseling. In First Kings 3, the instant Solomon received wisdom, the next chapter, he surrounded himself with counselors. How possible? You have received the greatest wisdom of all times, yet you surround yourself with counselors. So wisdom, true wisdom, is teachable and submissive. The Bible tells us that Jesus, he increased in wisdom and in stature. Now, when the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom, the next verse says that he was subject to his parent. So, genuine wisdom brings subjection, teachability, and submission. Hallelujah. So, brethren, let's lay the foundation. Glory to God. All right. Why do you need a fire? I want you to be able to keep the fire burning. Not on the corporate level. Now, when we come corporately, we're able to stir up, you know, ourselves. We're able to pray and scream and shout. Now, I'm talking about your daily walk and your personal responsibility of keeping the fire burning. You're doing it yourself. The discipline, the self-discipline of doing it. The self-restraint and the constraints and and sustaining the zeal and the desire. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where true success is. So why do you have to keep the fire? What is the necessity of keeping the fire? The Bible says that the light of Israel shall be for fire and his holy one for a flame and he shall devour the thorns and the the, the briars in one day. Isaiah 10 verse 17. He shall devour the briars and the thorns in one day. What happens is that the Bible tells us that fire devours or bends the thorns. Praise God. It bends the thorns. By the fire. Now, do you know that in the Bible, when God created the, the world and even the vegetation, vegetation thorns was not part of God's original creation God never created the thorns and the thistles all creation were in Genesis chapter 1 but thorns and thistles came up in Genesis chapter 3 thorns and thistles came up after the fall when God said curse the ground for thy sake after the fall then thorns and thistles naturally came up so thorns and thistles represent the fallen life because they were not part of God's original creation. The original creation is in Genesis chapter 1. But thorns and thistles came up in Genesis chapter 3. After man had fallen. So thorns generally speaks of the fallen life. What it means is that. If you don't keep the fire burning. 
you begin to work like mere men. You begin to work, work like ordinary men. You begin to see the, the traits and the manifestation of the defeated and the fallen life all around you. What it means is that if you see a man who is not keeping the fire, if you look at him, he's full of offenses, he's full of bitterness, he's full of lust, he's full of um, gossip, so many things. What you see is the fruits of the fallen life. And it naturally consumes you up or it dominates your life. But the Bible says that the light of Israel shall be for fire. It burns it. When you are aflame, your tongues are burnt. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are burnt. Like um, I read a story about uh, Smith Wigglesworth, a man who walked so close with God, great man of faith. And Wigglesworth had a temper problem. His problem was temper. Temper. Hot temper. Then he said, to solve that issue, he abandoned himself alone with God and came out after 10 days. <laughs> and after 10 days, his, now his wife wrote, Polly, his wife wrote about him. And Polly said that it is not possible to see such a change in a human vessel. Wigglesworth was so transformed that his own wife was amazed. How possible to witness such a change in a human being? He said it's not possible on this side of the eternities. That he was so radically transformed that there, was, there wasn't a single trait of temper. The fire devoured the thorns. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, every morning, I'm, if you can keep up every day, even if it's 30 minutes, consistency. Now there are those who wait on Monday or on Saturday they pray for five, for five hours and they wait till the next week and they stay themselves up for five hours. It is better to pray 30 minutes every day than to pray five hours once a week. Consistency. It could be a little time but keep up to it and honor it. Consistency is the key. And that's how the fire is falling to flames. It will begin to burn the thorns in our hearts. It will begin to burn how many of you love the fire? That's what I saw. That's why I'm preaching it. So whether you like it or not, you need a fire. <laughs> How about bitterness? Without a fire, I find it difficult to see people who are unforgiving. Their heart is so embittered. Yet they are in the presence of God, weeping, crying, worshiping. And when they leave the place... They still have an unforgiving spirit. That's one of the greatest wonder I have seen <laughs> in this life. Because if the pure celestial fire is burning, the love of God, His beauty, His glory will saturate you so much that you cannot hold on to the offense. You will let go. You will let go. Bitterness is deadly. The Bible said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest there be in any of you a root of bitterness, springing up from, from among you, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Amen. Hebrews 12 verse 15. Thereby many be defiled, looking diligently, lest any man fail. Can you imagine that you can fail? How can a man fail of the grace of God? You know what it means to fail of the grace of God? You have, that means that you have God's favor cannot locate you again. You have failed of God's undeserving, God's unmerited favor. You failed of it. And how do you feel of it? Bitterness. So when you are embittered, it is not that God cannot give. You cannot receive. You are not in a proper place to receive. So you have, absent, you have absented yourself from God's divine favor. Talking about protection, talking about provision, talking about all the blessings, you've absented yourself from it because of the word bitterness. And you know what bitterness can do? Springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. That is why if you are in this church and you are, in, you are embittered, never speak to another person. Go straight to the pastor and speak to the pastor and, and open your heart to the pastor. 
Because if you voice your bitterness to another person, the person is defiled, and another person is defiled. That's what the Bible says. Many can be defiled by your bitterness. Maybe because of what the pastor has done, or, or a leader has done, or someone has done, you are so embittered. Instead of going straight to the pastor, you start spreading the evil news. You know what you are doing? You are causing defilement in the congregation of God. Don't do that. Go straight to the pastor and pour your heart. Because by telling others, many can be defiled. And by so doing, you are failing of the grace of God. Praise God. Yeah. Oh, when a man is filled with the fire. Now, when we are filled with the fire of God, we don't see each other in our fault. No matter what we have done. Moko, bo, taya, taye. We see each other in love. It's not that the person has not done wrong. You, you even forget. Because the fire is burning. The fire is burning. When you are on fire, is a solution to the last problem. Last. You know, in, in, in Galatians 5.16, the Bible says that walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill. So when there is oil, now the more the oil, the more the oil, the more the flame. When there's a supply of oil in your vessels, the more the flame. When there is, you are filled, I'm saying when you are, you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you begin to walk in the spirit, it's a solution to the last problem. Now the Bible says that this, I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Now look at the word, ye shall not. Now in, the, in English you read ye shall not. But in the Greek it is more than this. In the Greek shall not, it's a double negation. It's the strongest double negation or assertion in the Greek. So, walk in the spirit and ye shall, the word is ume. Ume. Now, ordinarily speaking, the Bible shall have used one word, me. Me means not. U, O-U, also means not. So, walk in the spirit and ye shall not. But now, it is, it is repeated. To give the strongest negation, ye shall by no means, not in any way. So it's a repeated negation, given as the strongest negation in the Greek. Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not in any way, by no means, not possible to walk in the last of the flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the solution is for us to what? Walk in. That is all. You just get yourself filled. I remember when we got born again in early days, one person came to preach to us, and the topic, the preaching topic was avoid looking to. And told us that we shouldn't look to women twice. Don't look to any girl twice. Literally. So we learned to walk this way. So some of the, 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 the short brothers were walking this way. And the tall brothers were, were literally walking this way. So all my life in school, I, I, I was walking this way. Because I wanted to please God. But later on, I realized that that is not a solution at all. <laughs> That's not a solution at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, this is the solution. Just be filled. Just be filled. Just be filled. He shall devour and he shall bend the thorns, the thistles, the briars in one day. It can happen in one day. The fire will devour it. And you know what thorns mean? In the power of the sower, you know what Jesus, how Jesus interpreted thorns? He said it was the curse and the deceitfulness of, of riches. The curse, the curse of this life. The curse of this life. And the deceitfulness of riches. The curse of this life. The curse of this life. So thorns speaks of anxiety, worries, anxieties, worries, cares of this life. Worried, worried, troubled, troubled, anxious, anxious fears of many sorts. Casting your cares upon him, for he careth for you. 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Do you remember that in First Peter chapter, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, he says that be vigilant and be sober because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if Satan is a lion, a roaring lion, and if he's seeking whom, he's seeking, that means there are some people he cannot devour. Because he's seeking whom. If he had power, he should have devoured everyone at a go. But he's seeking whom. So there are some of us he cannot devour. <laughs> he's seeking whom he may devour. And remember, the Bible says he said, a roaring lion. Us. That's amazing. When lions are looking for, for their prey, they don't roar. Because when you roar, you cannot catch the, the prey. The prey will hide. So no proper lion roars seeking after its prey. <laughs> but Satan is the, it's a fake lion. <laughs> Operating contrary to the nature of the lion. <laughs> you know why he, why he roars? He want, he poses threat. So when you hear his roar, your heart starts melting because you operate with fear. But why does the Bible say tell us he's seeking whom? Now this verse goes together with a previous verse, verse seven. Look at verse seven. Casting your care upon him. For he carried. Now, if you are full of cares, full of anxieties and worry, you become the very target. You are the raw material for Satan. You are the one actually he's seeking to devour. You are the object of his attack. You are the one he's seeking to devour. But when the fire is burning, you are at rest. You know, God is taking care of every issue, every matter. Because the peace of God, that passeth all understanding, has garrisoned your heart and your mind. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When the fire is burning, nothing offends you. You are full of smiles, nothing offends you. Hallelujah. It shall burn and devour. So what happens is that, there may be thoughts, remember, when Jesus spoke of the power of the, of the sower, the, the very ground he spoke of, refers to our heart. So the thorns, he's speaking of the thorns that was in our heart. That chokes the word. So I'm saying that when the fire is burning on the altar of your heart, it burns the thorns. It burns the thorns and you are free. Cares of this world. Jesus himself took the crown of thorns upon his brow. So we will be freed from depressive thoughts. Depression. Depression. Depression, depressive thought. To give unto them beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. So where you have once been heavy, joy is an oil. The Bible calls it the oil, the oil of joy. It's an oil. The oil of exultant joy. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The oil of gladness. Oil. You know the oil of gladness? The oil of gladness. Oil speaks of the anointing. Of gladness. That's when you are serving the house of God and you are smiling. Smiling. If you are doing something and you have no joy... The likelihood is that maybe that's not what God has called you to do. <laughs> Either you need revelation or that's not what God has called you to do. But if you are in your place where God has placed you, what you are doing, you do it with joy. You do it with joy. Like what Pastor T is doing. It's stress-free. Planting churches is like giving him ice cream and paying him for having eaten the ice cream. <laughs> He's just in his place. It's effortless. Effortless. Nice ice cream. Nice ice cream. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I'll keep the fire. I'll keep the fire. Exodus 25 verse 6 says, Oil for the light. 
oil, now, oil for the light. Oil for the light. Now, light here is the same as fire. Actually, in the Old Testament, their light was their fire. Their light was their fire. Oil for the light. Now, Jesus says that ye are the light of the world. Now, Jesus used the statement article there. You are the light of the world. So, we are the only light the world has. So, the world is totally dependent on Christians. In those days, there were no street lights. People used to use what is called anchor light. So, they had a kind of shoe and they, they, had, they put a light in it, oil. So, in the night, there were no street lights. So, if you spot someone with anchor light walking through your path, you follow him. The person becomes your navigation and your guide. So that way is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. So you follow where the light. So we are the light. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. The sons of God in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom ye shine as light. You know how we shine as light? He says do all things without murmuring and disputing. Anytime you're in your office and you murmur according to their murmuring and you complain according to their complaining, you terminate your light. Because we're in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. In the midst of that, we shine as light. If they are complaining about the government, they are complaining about the economy, and you complain as they complain, where is your God? You are a new breed. You are a citizen of a new country. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so you have to speak according to your dignified ambassadorial position. Because you know where you come from. So you don't have to mama as they mama. Neither mama he, as some of them mammed, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. They don't do that. Whilst they are complaining, you are praising. Hallelujah. <laughs> because you know all things are yours. <laughs> you are rejoicing. You are rejoicing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I see your light burning. Now, the oil has so many, we cannot exhaust this. The oil has so many uses. Do you know the first person to be filled with the Holy Ghost in the Bible? The first person in the Bible ever to be filled with the Spirit. His name was, is called, was called Bezalel. He was the first person in the Bible said he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Bezalel. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost not to raise the dead. He was filled with the Holy Ghost not to raise cripples. He was filled with the Holy Ghost not to divide the sea. He was filled with the Holy Ghost not to divide Jordan. He was filled with the Holy Ghost not to do any extraordinary feat. He was filled with the Holy Ghost for craftsmanship. For craftsmanship. For building technology. Filled with the Holy Ghost <laughs> for designing and craft and workmanship and craftsmanship. You, know, you see what anointing can do? <laughs> The anointing has several uses. The oil, when the oil is stayed, there is no limit to what God can, what the oil can do in your life. That's the first mention, the first to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It was for the building of the tabernacle, to fashion the materials together. Praise God. Let me tell you something. If the fire is burning and the oil is flowing, you know, as a businessman, you begin to receive divinely inspired ideas creative ideas. Now, now listen, the word prosperity, like, like in Judges 15, the Bible says that the Spirit of, the, of God came mightily upon Samson and he took the jawbone of an ass and slew a thousand Philistines. And the Spirit of God came mightily. The word came mightily is the same word for prosperity. Same word for prosperity. Came mightily is the same word. Is the word chalak. Is the same word for prosperity. So, for Samson, he was a soldier. The Spirit of God came mightily upon him to prosper as a soldier. And with the jawbone of an ass, he could slay a thousand Philistines. That means the anointing can rest upon you, and with two cities, you can become a millionaire. But if with the jawbone of an ass, he could kill a thousand Philistines, you can have a thousand hundred Ghana city and cause changes. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's amazing. Listen. Joseph was a slave. The Bible said, God made him prosper. You know how slaves were sold? Naked. 
because you must be present, but without blemish. And he was in Potiphar's house without clothes, without savings account, yet he prospered. So it doesn't matter what you have. <laughs> Prosper. Can you imagine? The day he was sold, he was prosperous. It's, it's a mindset. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.